uh, welcome and thank you to, for joining us today um, for the you know, WAM Capital Research and WAM Active Q&A. Uh, obviously, you know, this is your company, so we're reporting to you. Um, and, and thank you for your support. The, um, I've got the, you know, the, the A team with us uh, in, in terms of you know, the, the people that are responsible for managing the money for those uh, three entities. Um, you know, Oscar, Tobias, uh, Sean and Sam. Um, and they will, you know, I'll be giving you a little bit of a summary about the results of the three companies and then we'll um, open up for, you know, for you know, questions, uh, et cetera. In terms of the, you know, the last month, um, the, you know, I'd like to congratulate you know, the guys because they've really done an extremely good job over the last 21 years, I think it's close to our best um, reporting season uh, that we've had. Um, and, and Oscar will take you through, um, you know, that a little later. The in, in terms of um, you know the results, you saw obviously one of the things we're focused on is is performing on behalf of all shareholders. Uh, also, it's to be able to. Um, you know, protect your capital um, you know, when we you know, believe it's prudent to do that uh, and, and also to be able to provide a stream of fully frank dividends. And um, to me, it was very pleasing that you know, we we're able to maintain dividends at the levels we have uh, and also for them to be um, you know, fully frank. The... Um, I mean, obviously today, you know, with the market sell-off overnight, you know, today's a topical day, so I'm sure it'll come up in Q&A, um, our views on, you know, the market going forward, um, and, and maybe we'll, um, you know, talk about that a little later. In terms, uh, you know, what other things have been happening for WAM Capital um, and WAM Active, you know, part of their portfolio is buying a you know, dollar of assets for 80 cents when they can. And, and one of the stocks we've been in is, um, is a listed investment company, you know, Contango Income Generator. Uh, we were very disappointed. You know, we were you know, quite shocked when they, a couple of weeks ago, announced a capital raising at a 15% discount to NTA, you know, which could be highly dilutionary for a number of shareholders. Um, you know, we um, you know, sort of voiced that, our view to them, um, and at the same time, they decided to change their mandate significantly, going from sort of Australian equities income generating uh, to um, a US fund manager, uh, you know, global long short. Um, and so they've got a, a vote coming up on the 18th of September. We'll be voting against that, um, you know, the change. And we've actually put a proposal to the board um, for for us to manage it. And, and really, it would be, it would sit in between WAM Capital and WAM Leaders. It would be the top uh, 300. You know, it's only a $70 million portfolio. You know, you've got WAM Capital at you know, $1.3 billion and Leaders, you know, about a billion of fund. So to manage another $70 million in that top 300 is, you know, would be, um, you know, work quite well uh, for us. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, we'd be encouraging anyone to vote against this vote on the 18th. 
uh, and then um, you know when our proposal goes up, you know to vote uh, for that. Also, uh, the we announced a takeover bid um, you know, for concentrated leaders, another small listed investment company. Um, you know we're trading been trading at discount for quite a period of time. We've got a, a little over eleven and a half percent. That's between on the trading part of the portfolio, WAM Capital and WAM Active. Uh, and you know, one thing it does do, it liberates, it allows us to get out at NTA. Um, you know, because, you know, assuming we're successful in the bid, we'll get control of the company uh, at NTA. Um, and the also there's, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's only a small company, but there is a, um, if you look at the balance sheet, they do have the ability to pay about, you know, $13 million as a fully frank dividend, even though they've just paid one out. Um, you know, they still have quite a bit of franking. Um, so that's obviously not a primary benefit. That's a secondary benefit um, that, you know, we, we see there. Uh, what I might do now is, you know, pass over to Oscar. Do you just want to take us, you know, through a little bit of, you know, the, of the reporting season and what you saw, um, uh, et cetera? Yeah, thanks, Jeff, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Because I think the last time we spoke on a conference call, I was bunkered down at the family farm back at Yass in country New South Wales. And I think it was in the middle of March. And I think it's fair to say things were incredibly uncertain at that point in time, um, not just around, uh, obviously, the market, but the spread of COVID-19 globally. So I guess just with all the shareholders on the call and those that aren't on the call today, I'd like to thank you for all your support through this time. It, you know, the team's really appreciated. It's obviously been a very difficult period over the last, call it six or seven months working from home, but I can assure you that I'm very pleased with how we've performed over this period. It's not just the WAM Capital or WAM Active WAM Research Team, it's the Wide Wilson Asset Management Team led by Kate and Jeff. So in relation to reporting season, um, it was actually a very strange one. And this is largely because around 80% of the companies that were invested in across WAM Capital had actually given earnings guidance for the current financial year. And this was before the August reporting season had actually begun. Now, what's more due to COVID and the uncertainty surrounding the economy, it was obvious to us that companies would avoid outlook statements and give explicit numbers around their earnings guidance. So we actually saw this as a great opportunity to beat, to buy some beaten up stocks and sectors that were heavily hit from COVID-19. And this is across sectors such as uh, international education, uh, mining services, retail, and also, and also tourism companies. And what we saw here was that they were, they were catalysts. And this is largely due to the fact we could see earnings upgrades coming and a, and a stronger than expected balance sheet because a number of the analysts that were covering these companies hadn't actually updated their numbers from the lows of coronavirus back in March and April. So to give you an example around this, um, we did some extensive work on a company, an international uh, placement and uh, provider called in the education sector called IDP Education. And here we felt that management had actually taken more costs out of the business than the market uh, was expecting at the time. We, got, we gathered forecasts from the eight analysts that covered the stock, and what we found out was that there was a wide range of estimates rating, uh, ranging from a $20 million profit through to a $100 million profit for the current financial year. Now, through the work that we did, we were confident that IDP would achieve the top end of this uh, earnings range, and in the end, they actually did. And we've actually seen a very strong performance of the share price. It's been up over 30% since that point in time. Now, as per usual in reporting season, we do have our fair share of misses, and if we could take you through a couple of companies, one company 
Uh, Bravura is a technology company. We felt there wasn't much expectation in, in this company going to the result. However, what happened was the, the largest uh, business within the company actually slowed down in terms of its organic growth. We saw the share price fall just over 15% as a result. Uh, Blackmore's was a company that we took um, uh, a placement in uh, back in May. Uh, we're actually positive on this company longer term. They actually believe that management's doing a job ter- good job turning around. I guess the problem is it's probably going to take us another year longer than what we initially thought. So as Jeff said, well, look, we're very happy with how we went over reporting season. But you can be rest assured um, it's very early days in the financial year. We're not getting ahead of ourselves. And as we saw last night in the United States and today in the Australian market, crazy things can happen, and uh, particularly in the small and mid-cap companies that we're invested in. And just um, anyone who'll you'll see that um, you know we're we're announcing some slides with this presentation, uh, and just to sort of you know back up um, you know the numbers behind you know what Oscar's talking about the you know, the really solid result by the you know, by the whole team uh, is Wham Capital. This is the investment portfolio you know, compared to the indexes before costs etc. For last month was up 9.2 percent, and you know where the market wasn't didn't even wasn't even up three percent uh, for the month. And Wham Research, you know, was a little better. That was 11.8, uh, and Wham Active, you know, was 6.7. So it was really the research stocks, you know, that um, you know performed very strongly. Yeah, even though on the you know the active the trading side, you know, the you know, again. Yeah, any performance you know, when you're holding a, a, you know, a degree of cash, any performance that's um, you know, better than the markets, you know, solid performance, and that was you know, more than double um, the market performance. So that they were just you know, some of the, you know, I mean, some of the headline figures, which you know, will be um, you'll see them, uh, and and also the profit reserves. We've updated the profit reserves till the end of August. Um, you know, which will be up on the ASX um, any minute. Now, now, Tobias, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in, you know, you spent a lot of time looking at technology stocks, and I know when we had the WAM microcap call back in August, you know, you were, you know, talking about, um, you know, the e-commerce sector in detail. Can you just talk us a little bit about how the portfolio is positioned at the moment? Particularly, I suppose, you know, superimpose on that, you know, what happened last night, um, you know, with NASDAQ, you know, the, the significant, you know, percentage fall in NASDAQ? Yeah, thanks, Jeff, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I guess over the longer term, you know, we continue to be strong believers in the e-commerce theme. You know, you know, as you know, we invested in the space relatively early and increased our exposure uh, in March and April, which has helped us over the last few months. Um, just to give you an idea, you know, these include pure online players like uh, Templin Webster, Colgan, uh, Redbubble, and Marty Spoon, uh, in addition to traditional retailers with a large part of their sales coming from the online channel, uh, such as Adairs and City Chic. You know, I think, I think our view right now, you know, is we are seeing a permanent step change in the growth trajectory of many of these businesses due to everyone having to work from home. Now, humans are creatures of habit. And once people get comfortable with shopping online, they will continue to do so going forward. When we think about the next few months, you know, we believe the operating momentum should continue to be strong. 
um, as a result of the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and the uh, Boxing Day trading periods. And this is perhaps uh, missed by the market. You know, however, you know, we do believe the current three-digit growth rate will normalize. That is definitely a risk, uh, and it's something that we are monitoring very closely. Uh, uh, thanks, Tobias. The um, what uh, I, I know, um, yeah, myself as an investor, uh, and 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 all our fellow investors, you know, would be sort of interested to um, know what sort of there's what one good stock pick there is from from each of you, and maybe maybe we start um, with Sam and Sean, and then. Um, Tobias and Oscar, you can mention you know, sort of what company you're pretty confident with at the moment. Uh, so, Sam, do you want to do you want to lead off? Perfect. Thanks, Jess, and good afternoon, everyone. Our first high conviction stock pick is Tyro Payments. If you've ever bought a coffee or a dinner on credit card, then you're likely to have used their product before. Tyro provides FCOS in credit card terminals, coffee shops, restaurants, pubs, and clubs. The company performed strongly after listing in 2019 and was on track to beat prospectus forecast. However, after beating our expectations and hitting our valuation, we sold the position in February this year. During COVID-19, a large portion of their customer base experienced a sharp fall in revenue and the stock sold off aggressively. What the market was missing, however, is the structural shift towards card payments and away from cash, which will drive Tyro's earnings growth going forward. The catalyst for us to re-enter the position was the belief that FY21 and FY22 consensus estimates were too low and had to increase over time. Currently trading at a 40% discount to international peers, we believe this, that this valuation gap will close as we emerge from lockdown and more people use card over cash, therefore outperforming earnings expectations over time. Okay. The um, excellent. The and, and have you got a price target for the stock? We do. We have a price target of you know, four thirty to four fifty, and it's currently trading well below that. It's currently trading at three dollars forty four. Gotcha. Now look, thanks for that. And um, Sean, what 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 have you what? Stock pick if you got for us. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and, and yeah, thanks for your time and, and ongoing support. So my uh, high conviction stock pick is Sealink. Uh, so Sealink completed the acquisition of bus operator Transit Systems just over six months ago, which diversified the business into two core areas, being marine tourism and buses. So following the market sell-off, we identified, I guess, two key catalysts that, that we were looking at to buy the stock. Our analysis suggested the market was underestimating the defensive nature of the bus business, which provides an essential public service and operated throughout the crisis. So the recent FY20 result came in ahead of the market's expectations, which resulted in analysts upgrading their forecasts and, and reassessing the valuation. So going forward, we think the marine and tourism business is well positioned to benefit from a recovery in domestic travel. Australians spend over $60 billion per annum uh, travelling overseas, and given the international border closures, sea-link destinations such as Fraser Island in Queensland and Kangaroo Island in South Australia 
are likely to see increased demand. This was reflected in uh, some recent conversations we had with the management team, noting that they're now trading ahead of pre-COVID levels, despite no uh, interstate or international tourists. So we expect the share price to be supported by additional bus contract wins going forward, along with the progressive reopening of state borders. And we, we see earnings upgrades and further acquisitions as key catalysts for the stock. Gotcha. And so, so would it really be earnings upgrade would be the main catalyst, do you think, to re-rate it? Yeah, we think uh, obviously there's, there's definitely scope for earnings upgrades there, but in the short term, the business has a number of um, material bus contracts, which we we think they're well positioned to win. Um, and then obviously they've shown an appetite for acquisitions more recently with, with transit systems just over six months ago. Um, the balance sheet's in a good position to capitalise on, on any, I guess, distressed opportunities that may arise to Right, thanks, Sean. And uh, Tobias, what's what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, so my pick is uh, InfoMedia. Uh, it's a software solution uh, provider for car manufacturers and dealerships globally. You know, we believe the long-term uh, theme here is that clients, you know, their clients are now more focused than ever on parts and services revenue, given that is where the margin is, and that's how they engage their customers. Um, as a result, you know, they're on, they're on the lookout for the best in-class solutions, which is where InfoMedia comes in. You know, it's a profitable tech company, you know, one of the cheapest on, on the AFX, and uh, with almost 20% of its market cap in cash, you know, which will be deployed into acquisitions uh, over the next 6 to 12 months. You know, other catalysts uh, include potential contract awards and uh, earning upgrades over the next uh, couple of years. Thanks, Tobias. And and Oscar, what have you got? What, what have you what have you narrowed it down to for the you know, to, to share today? Oh, Jeff, you know, me. It's, it's always Maya, isn't it? No, um, <laughs> definitely not this time around. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Um, <laughs> uh, look, the company I'd like to talk about is uh, Helios, um, which is actually the the new name for the old primary healthcare, which is one of the largest pathology, radiology, and medical centre businesses in Australia. Now, what we saw through March and April, there's plenty of newspaper articles saying that Helios was about to offload their troubled uh, medical centre business, and that was a key catalyst for us to buy shares in the stock. Now, thankfully, Helios was actually able to sell the division back in May, and it was at a price that was much better uh, than the market had expected. Now, today, Helios has a very strong balance sheet that gives it the ability to make acquisitions. But what we see is most interesting here is following the sale of the medical centres, Helios now has the second largest pathology and radiology business in Australia, but it has margins that are well below the leading industry players there, Sonic Healthcare and Integral Diagnostics. Um, and these companies actually trade at a much higher valuation uh, than, than, than Helios. So we see a cost-out opportunity here. We see efficiency savings to drive margin upside over the next few years. And now... The last point on it, which is what I like about it, is the spike. And the spike is is that um, Helios had a takeover bid, which the board rejected back in February for $3.40 a share. So in our view, this business is much better than what it was back in February. It's trading at a share price more than $3.40 a share. Key catalyst going forward are earnings upgrades. There's some divestments to be made. We also see some acquisitions. So I think it's worth about $4.50 a share. Gotcha. Hey, Oscar, also, I know 
um, you've been talking a little bit about you know, the tra- travel stocks and the opportunities there. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I mean, given the second wave that we've seen in, in Melbourne and obviously continued cases in Sydney, you probably think I'm a bit mad to be saying that we're looking at the travel sector. But I guess what we're seeing at, the, at, at, at this point in time with these stocks in the sector is all-time, you know, effectively very, very low valuations when we're looking forward a few years. And we actually think these businesses have much stronger, have strong, stronger balance sheets than what the, the market gives them credit for. And we think they're well-positioned to benefit from a domestic tourism boom once borders reopen. So to give the listeners some context around this, if you go back prior to COVID, in Australia, Australians spent just over $60 billion on international tourism last year. And this compares to around $50 billion on domestic tourism. But when the borders open up, we actually think um, a big portion of this spend from international tourism will flow into domestic tourism. Now, in terms of some stocks that we played this through reporting season, uh, two of these stocks were corporate travel and webjet. Now, the expectations for these stocks were very low going into their results. Uh, the market was thinking they were going to downgrade earnings, they had balance sheet issues, and you could see that from the short interest uh, in the stock, which had um, basically gone to all-time highs. Now, we, we did a lot of work around their balance sheets. We were comfortable around their liquidity, and we also spoke to a number of companies overseas, and we were seeing at that point there were signs of life with uh, tourism, particularly in Europe, um, and also the corporate travel market globally. So we bought more of these shares, and look, thankfully they've gone pretty well through reporting season. And look, while it is, it's, it's, it's certainly going to take a long time, um, we do think that this sector looks interesting, particularly, as I said before, when borders reopen. But, you know, we're getting a sniff that a vaccine might be around the corner, and this is certainly one industry which will really benefit if we do see a vaccine. Now, look, thanks. Thanks very much, Oscar. Um, and you know, I, I know it probably there'll be que- in question time. We'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but obviously, the the sell-off in the market last night you know, um, is you know, is concerning from from a from a perspective when the markets just continually to go up. Uh, I mean, it, it, the market. I think we were talking a, a week or two ago. Uh, um, after the really solid months these portfolios had last month, you know, does it get any better than this? And uh, and that is that is a question. Um, and obviously the market's been driven by you know the phenomenal liquidity that's been pumped into the system, um, you know, globally and by the Federal Reserve, um, and, and you know with the record low interest rates. Uh, now in terms of the tech sector, you know, that has been you know, looking quite bubbly. Um, I've been, you know, thinking back to, you know, 99, 2000, um, you know, when we had the, the tech wreck. And a lot of people are, are, are trying to think of, you know, like what created the tech wreck. It was a day in March, I remember. Um, the, you know, the, the market, I think the NASDAQ was down 6%. Um, and, and that was, it was just really after, you know, quite, you know, some extreme moves from you know, Australian stocks perspective and also global stocks um, in, in the technology space. And you know, for those that have got a bit of grey hair here, you know, the Australian names were you know, things like Solution 6 that had gone from $0.60 cents to, I think, $16. Um, you know, SecureNet, which had gone from sort of a dollar to, um, you know, to, it was 12 or 
you know, Davnet have gone from I think thirty cents to you know four dollars. Um, there was companies like that, uh, and uh, and really it was just um, you know the heat, you know just just overvaluations, and then the heat coming out of the out of the market, and and it wasn't anything. There wasn't a specific um, event that created the tech wreck. So in terms of what happened last night, um, you know, obviously it's con- you know has to be concerning. Um, you know, is this you know, the, the question probably on everyone's lips, is this the end of the you know, big rally in technology stocks? You know, un- unfortunately, our crystal ball isn't that clear that we can tell you yes or no. Um, you know, all we know is you know, that, that you know, we're highly flexible. Um, you know, back in you know, when we had to reposition the portfolio in March, you know, we went from a, um, you know, a, a reasonably invested position, you know, sorry, in February, with the reporting season, when we're down to about you know, 15% cash, we restructured the portfolio quickly. Uh, we we went up to 43% cash, and we and we invested that money um, into companies that we believe would you know, would benefit. Um, yeah. So in terms of you know what's happening with technology companies, we all know it was getting incredibly frothy. You know, you look at Tesla you know, in the U.S. context you know, has, has a split. You know, share price doubles, has a split goes up another. You know, fifteen um, percent you know, or, or whatever the figure is. You know, the there has been a lot of um, you know, money, momentum, money uh, in in the technology sector. Um, you know, with a bit of luck, it's a healthy correct, correction. I don't know why everyone calls it a healthy healthy correction because uh, it means markets are falling, so people are losing money. Um, you know, with a bit of luck, that's what it is, and it takes a bit of heat out of the market. Um, but obviously, we'll be monitoring that inc- incredibly closely. Um, what I might do now is I might pass you over to James, um, who runs our, our corporate affairs department uh, and, and very successfully. Um, and you know, James will direct questions. Thanks, James. Thank you very much, Jeff. So, uh, look. We we have now uh, got quite a few questions on profits reserved for the companies and and the like. So those slides being announced uh, to the ASX, would you like to just cover off on a few of those key numbers, Jeff? Yeah, I mean because of you know, obviously our ability for the, these three companies or any any company we manage, our ability to pay a yeah you know, a fully frank dividend is our ability to a make profit. And then B, you know, receive fully frank dividends or, or pay tax um, and, uh, and and pay that out as a fully frank dividend. Um, now, in terms of WAM Capital, that um, you know, WAM Capital before last month, the profit reserve was just a little bit over the um, you know, the dividend that's uh, due to be paid, um, you know, the, the the final dividend. But in terms of where the profit, you know, the, the estimated profit reserve now. Um, has you know, more than doubled from where it was, so it's around you know 17 and a bit cents uh, at the end of August. So you know that's quite pleasing. So we've got this current dividend and then the next one um, up our sleeve, and then it's our ability to p- make more profit. Uh, in terms of you know WAM Research, um, you know, again the profit reserve, you know WAM Research has a very healthy profit reserve, and as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and, and had a very healthy month last month in terms of performance. You know, just 
very strong performance. Now, there's a little under 35 cents uh, in the profit reserve. Um, and, and WAM Active, you know, on our, our best guess numbers, um, it's a little under 11 cents uh, in the profit reserve. So, you know, that, that gives you an idea. In terms of, obviously, in terms of paying dividends, it's, it's for a board decision. Uh, and, and they'll look at, you know, what the profit reserve is, what franking we have, um, and they'll make the decisions at the time. Obviously, all three of them are, are come dividend at the moment. But in terms of our our interim dividend, which we'll be announcing in, um, in in February with the result. Thanks very much, Jeff. And, and, and you're right in your forecast that there would be quite a few questions about uh, last night in the US and, and today in the Australian market. So um, that's probably a question a few of you can weigh in on. Jeff, do you want to just uh, give your thoughts your thoughts on, on on the outlook in light of um, the overnight trade? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's yeah, really it's it, the market um, had performed exceptionally well, uh, and it, it was nearly um, you know, getting too easy. Uh, and unfortunately, the market's a great leveler. Um, I heard someone. Uh, talking to the US last night, saying all these billionaires that have turned up, and they said as, as quickly as the billionaires turned up, they'll disappear as well. Now these are you know, some of the tech billionaires. Um, so um, yeah, so there has been a lot of momentum. Uh, there hasn't been much volatility uh, over the last little period, uh, and it, it really felt like the market was getting very frothy. So. Um, an adjustment like we saw last night, um, to me, isn't isn't something to panic about. Uh, it's something to remind you that investing in equities is with risk. Um, and, you know, I mean, one of the risks is, you know, whether this, um, you know, this does take a lot of the heat out of the market, um, where there was a lot of, I think, momentum, uh, a lot of effectively dumb money investing in the market, you you know that you talk in in the US, a lot of um, a lot of people had started trading the market aggressively uh, that hadn't been in the market before. So to me, the, the market tended to be a leveller and, and and makes you realise that it's not that easy uh, uh, in terms of investing. You've got to do your homework. You've got to buy undervalued companies. We try to buy undervalued growth companies. Only buy them when we see a catalyst is going to change the is going to change the valuation. That's pretty much how we operate. I would be, you know, to me, it's a good wake-up call. Yeah, um, I'd be a bit, you know, and, and the risk is that, um, you know, there could be a reasonable size adjustment. Um, so that's that's probably my um, my current thoughts. Oscar or, or the buyer yeah, or Jeff, Sam Oscar, or Sean, do you want to? Yeah. Oscar here. I mean, I think it's it's worth. Uh, point out to listeners that we've been calling the end of the tech market for the last three years and have been wrong. Um, and I think the reason we have been wrong is purely because of where interest rates are. And as interest rates, are, you know, as we all know, are record lows, um, you know, increases valuations. And that's why we've seen, you know, a lot of this momentum that Jeff's rightly talking about in companies such as Tesla and, you know, Salesforce last week with their, their result and so forth. Um, I think it's, it's important to note from our end, we are an active fund manager. 
And we've had a number of been a beneficiary of a number of these companies sort of over the last, you know, call it the last six months from the lows in March. And I was sort of I was anticipating that this question would come up today, but I was looking at our portfolio and where, it, where how it looked in terms of our exposures to tech companies. And I think we're sitting at around a six percent exposure across the in WAM Capital, which is is a lot lower than from the nine to ten percent that it was sort of back in June. Give an example, so a company like Appen uh, performed incredibly well for us. We sold most of our stock going into the result just because expectations were just sky high. Um, so look, our view is it's not exactly what Jeff said. There's nothing to panic about. Um, I think you've got to be selective. I think you can't just look at companies like Afterpay going from $8 to $90 and think that's the new norm. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest risk for, in our view for the tech sector is when interest rates increase. And if we see that, um, I think that's that sign to get, to get out of the space. Um, but look, certainly from our end, I think, you know, the market has been, you know, it needs some time to cool off. It's been crazy and, and, and the tech sector has been the big beneficiary of that. Great. Thanks, Jeff and Oscar. Um, Sam, Kosh, next question is for you. Uh, it's on Brickworks and um, it's from Adrian. During the last November WAM shareholder meeting, uh, BKW was one, if not the largest, shareholding for WAM. It seems to have been sold down in March this year. And uh, is it primarily because it's less liquid? Is that the is that the driver? I'm uh, just looking for a view on that stock as I hold it. That's from Adrian. Thanks, James. Thanks, James, and thanks, Adrian. Um, we did hold Brickworks into, um, you know, at the start of the year and at the November AGM as well. Um, we reduced the position as the onset of a coronavirus, um, you know, uh, came across the, the market and um, engulfed the global economy. We were concerned about the exposure to the housing market. Um, as we've emerged from coronavirus and some of the trends long-term trends are, are quite evident now. We see that um, Brickworks can be a structural beneficiary from COVID-19. They do have a significantly undervalued industrial portfolio um, within the conglomerate structure. We believe um, that is undervalued at a group level in the sum of the parts. So we currently do hold shares in Brickworks and are quite positive on its outlook. Thanks very much, Sam. Next question is uh, from Trevor on Plenty. So reading in the AFR, uh, when participated in the IPO, what is the, uh, what's the catalyst? Why do you consider them attractive, their path to profitability, and what stands them uh, ahead of their peers? Yeah, yeah. thanks for that. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for the question. So Plenty, just by way of background, is, uh, used to be called Race Setter. Uh, you know, Race Setter UK um, is actually a different business. Um, Plenty is not um, using P2P as the key funding source. Um, they use asset-backed securities, which is a much more traditional way of um, getting funding, and it's a lot more, um, it's a lot safer than, I guess, the P2P uh, sort of uh, uh, base. Um, the, the other key difference is uh, Plenty Australia, um, the key vertical for them or the key growth drive, and, and which is what we are attracted to is their exposure to um, uh, the car loans space, so automotive, automotive lending, 
um, which is very different to unsecured consumer lending, which is, I guess, what many of the other overseas peers is, is mainly focused on. Um, so in terms of our view, you know, we think as a 100% uh, digital player, they can continue to take market share from the uh, traditional players. Uh, and then the growth uh, should be very strong over the coming years. That's great. Thanks very much, Tobias. Um, and John is looking for a view on on uh, Flight Centre. Uh, do we have a position and, and what's the outlook for the company, if you don't mind taking that one, Oscar? Thanks, James. Um, look, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a position, which was all my fault. I ended up, I sold the business too early. I think it was like, Ten dollars fifty, I think, went to seventeen dollars, unfortunately. And but we did benefit from uh, Webjet and corporate travel in the in the portfolio. So, so we don't own it currently, unfortunately. Um, very similar outlook to to Webjet and corporate travel. Very similar. Um, yeah, we've seen the share price rebound since the result. Uh, liquidity seems okay for the time being. Gives them um, headroom for the next two years. And they've got a, actually a bigger business in corporate travel. And surprisingly, corporate travel. Um, uh, or spending on corporate travel has actually rebounded the fastest out of all the um, uh, out of all the sectors. So they're actually doing quite a, a little bit better than what people had thought. So I think when you look at the travel stocks, you can't get there's a lot to occur over the next you know one to two years. But it's very much a, a you've got to take a long term view and look and have an estimate out there when you think borders will reopen and international tourism and domestic tourism will begin, which is clearly a few years away. Thanks, Tobias. And the next question uh, is for you, Sean. It's from Simon. I'd be interested to hear about your investment in the emerging dairy industry in Australia, and in particular, your views on BFC. Yeah, thanks for the, the question, Simon. So we've currently got exposure to the dairy space in Australia and companies such as Vega Cheese and Best in Foods. So I guess at a macro level, the key drivers of our thesis are really centred around an improvement in seasonal conditions with obviously record rainfall, you know, over the past four to six months in key dairying uh, regions, which, you know, has really seen conditions the best in, in recent memory. Um, our expectation going forward also is that you'll see ongoing consolidation of the dairy industry, uh, which will see a more rational pricing environment. Um, at a stock level, I mean, Vega and Beston share similar characteristics in that they're both undertaking... I guess, a strategy to shift more of their production volume higher up the dairy value chain and, and I guess, de-risk exposure to pure commodity markets. Um, while we like the self-help drivers within both businesses too with um, cost-out initiatives, in Beston's case, you know, the focus is obviously shifting um, their production towards high-value lactoferrin uh, products, which, you know, at the moment are continuing to hold very strong prices uh, in the market. So... Yeah, we think we think those those stocks are well positioned going forward. Excellent, thank you very much, Sean. Oscar, uh, this question is from Mal. Does the WAM team still hold conviction that AMA is a plausible way to play the economy opening up? Yeah, thanks, Mal. Um, we've still got AMA in the portfolio. It's a very small position. Um, no, we we quite like it. Again. Um, yeah, we think the early indications, just in terms of what we're seeing in terms of, um, I guess, driving, has been positive and as approaching sort of pre-COVID levels with the exception of Victoria. Um, AMA is cycling a very weak period from the year before. Um, there was no rain and so there was no accidents. 
Um, we've obviously had a lot more rain on the east coast, so you hope you would assume there's more accidents, which is a good thing for AMA. We also think the balance sheet is okay too. So we've got we've got a small position in the in the stock. Um, you know, there's some good management, a good board. Um, we do see the potential at a later date that they might look to raise money to make an acquisition. And if they do that and and sort of and and protect the balance sheet, then I, I think it'd be fair to say it could potentially be a larger position in the portfolio. Thanks, Oscar. Staying with you, um, we uh, we have a question from John. Has the lockdown changed the way you research companies, i.e. has it curtailed your physical visits and let you focus more on objective data like balance sheets, etc.? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, uh, yeah, it certainly has changed. There's, look, there's obviously no change to our investment process. Clearly, it's been difficult to, you know, we, we usually do overseas trips, so we do trips to Brisbane and Perth and so forth, and we haven't been able to do that. We've done a ton of calls. So I'd say the volume of the meetings that we do um, and that we regularly quote uh, to guys on the phone hasn't really changed. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say generally, I mean, what, what have we been doing more? I'd say if we go back to COVID, there was a, we always look at balance sheets, but back then it was, you know, it was the only focus. The earnings didn't matter at that point in time. All that mattered was liquidity. Um, so we're continuing to do that through this period. And if you had a look at all the, a lot of the, the companies that we own right now, uh, particularly on the research side, the balance sheets are very, very strong. Um, and we will continue to invest in those companies for those, re- those reasons. But I think, you know, the lesson for us sort of over this period and what we can apply to going forward is, you know, we've done a lot of, um, you know, group team calls. We've talked through a lot of stocks. We've done a lot of industry calls with competitors or suppliers overseas. And, you know, Effectively, it's, uh, it's with our, our performance has been quite good through this period. So, um, yeah, so will we work more from home going forward? I think there's probably a chance that we will once we go back to go back to normality. Um, it will be great to go in the office and do face-to-face meetings. You can't beat that. But certainly, you know, being being at home um, and getting away from the noise can actually be very positive. And I think we've seen that in terms of the team over the last few months. Excellent. Thanks very much, Oscar. Um, next question's from Robert, and for, for you, Tobias. Do you, do any of the funds hold buy now, pay later stocks? Yes, p- thank you, Robert. Um, we have our afterpay schedule and Levi uh, in the portfolio. Um, in, in terms of um, our views on it, you know, we, we think these companies have grown exceptionally well over the last few months, and um, and what's more pleasing is that they've been able to uh, report. Um, an improvement in their underlying loss ratios. Um, you know, the key thing for us going forward is obviously what happens when the stimulus gets gets uh, turned off, and so we will be monitoring the uh, incremental data uh, very closely. Great. The next question is for, for you, Sam, from Barbara. Your thoughts on zero? Certainly. Thanks, James, and thanks, Barbara. Uh, zero is an exceptional global growth story, and um, where it's phenomenal to actually see and witness and benefited from a share, um, Zero's growth over time. At this stage, we believe that Zero is probably you know, fair to overpriced at current levels, and we believe that there are other bets elsewhere within the technology sector um, that will play out um, for shareholders in a better way. So um, 
very uh, love the business, but unfortunately at this valuation, not attractive. Thank you very much, Sam. Next question is for Jeff. There's quite a lot of activity underway at WAM. Blue Sky, Concentrated Leaders and Contango. How does the team manage these actions within, within, uh, with investing? That's uh, from Tim. Yeah. Uh, I mean, pr- from an investment perspective, um, you know, there, there's, you know, we've got broadly three uh, teams. You know, we've got the, you know, Katrina that runs the global team. We've got Matt that runs the large cap team. Oscar, you know, runs, you know, uh, the mids and smalls, um, you know, which, you know, which encompasses uh, every everyone here today, um, plus two other, um, you know, Cooper and Tyler that, that work with us uh, on that area. Um, now, in terms of Blue Sky, um, the there's a we are taking over the management of a listed investment company, which is, has about two hundred million dollars assets. It's trading at a big discount to NTA. The code's BAF. Um, and we've employed Adrian Sue, ex-private equity from um, Carlisle. He set up Carlisle in Australia. He's been with us nearly for two years now working on this, uh, and, we're, and we're employing an, another senior person. Um, so, so they'll be purely working on um, you know, WAM alternate assets, and, and our goal is you know, they're trading around, I think, 86 to 88 cents now. You know, the NTA is $1.09. Um, it used to trade at a premium NTA. It's got some fantastic assets uh, in there, um, you know, water rights, etc. Um, so we think you know, our plan is to get it back to NTA. Uh, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been speaking to all the major financial planners that are invested in there. Uh, and they're very supportive of us once we get it to NTA to continue to grow it. And it's you know, $200 million of assets now, we you know, could easily get up to half a billion or a billion dollars. Um, and and that, how that complements the business is, you know, you just get another lot of information. Um, and that's what we've seen as, you know, we've added WAM Leaders or WAM Global is the quality of information we get now from the whole team is a very high level. So that's how, um, you know, BAF or WAM Alternate Assets, in terms of, you know, the Contango, what's happening with the Contango or, um, you know, concentrated leaders or any other listed investment company plays. You know, that's, um, that's the area I spend, you know, a lot of my time on, um, you know, because it's, it's not very labour intensive. You know, you're buying a dollar for 80 cents. Uh, and then also our CFO and Marty, our um, operations man, you know, helped me on that. So this actually... You know, even though everyone on the team's aware of what's going on, it really doesn't. You know, it, it, no one else misses a beat, um, and uh, yeah. So that, that's it. Really, even though from the outside it looks like we're doing a lot, um, you know that that um, you know they're just just incremental steps that we're taking that that's putting no strain on any parts of the organisation. Thanks, Jeff. Um, this question's from, from John. Hi, great session. I know you're not talking about WAM Global and WAM Microcap, but are you able to comment on their profits um, and, and their dividend increases? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I just haven't got the proper reserves. 
I mean, <laughs> most of them. Yeah, I mean, Microcap had a very strong month last month. Has anyone got the exact? Oh, actually, I suppose we've got to announce it. Um, so we really can't give you the figure, but you can work out how to had a very strong uh, month last month from you know looking at its major shareholdings, uh, and so that would obviously increase the profit reserve uh, and global. Yeah, you know, I mean the, the the global market wasn't anywhere near as strong as what was happening in Australia, um, and I know Wham Global was up last month, so that would have added to the profit reserve as well. And now in terms of our our view on those dividends, uh, again. Yeah, you know, with all our companies, we try to maintain, if not grow them, um, if we've got the profit reserve and if we've got the franking credit. So uh, everyone's picking their stocks. Yeah, you know, it's probably, um, you know, I like buying a dollar for eighty cents uh, if I can. In terms of, um, you know, once uh, BAF becomes a WAM product, then, you know, then obviously to me there's an opportunity there. You know, I see WAM Global an opportunity. And Wham Leaders trading a little bit of a discount um, and giving quite a good fully frank yield. Um, to me, that's, you know, they're the ones that are on the cheap side. Thanks very much, Jeff. And look, we are, we're in the last 10 minutes uh, of the call, so we'll now move to uh, telephone lines to bring calls in that way. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. A voice prompt on the phone line will indicate when your line is open. Please state your name at the tone before posing a question. We'll now take our first question. At the tone, please state your name before posing a question. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Oh, good day, Simon Samuel. Uh, just curious to know uh, if you're still holding position in Reckon, and uh, if so, um, how do you think it's going? Yeah, thanks, Simon. Oscar here. Um, Reckon, where do I start? Unfortunately, we've got too much of this stock, and it was a lesson... Uh, for us a few years ago, not to, um, from a liquidity perspective, not to buy too much of a company. However, in, in saying that, um, yeah, there's, there's some positive signs. Uh, if you go back to their last result um, in August, um, they've actually signed an agreement uh, for one of their, their divisions to grow in, 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 to partner with a company in the US. So, and we see the potential for that business to be a legal business to potentially um, list on the NASDAQ which is exactly what um, Reckon did with Get Busy a few years ago. In their accounting business, the shift to the cloud is actually happening um, and it's accelerated over this period. And the small business uh, division actually performed very, very strongly. So the share price has actually done pretty well since the result. Uh, we think they've turned a corner. The balance sheet's good. They paid a good dividend. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're actually quite confident on it going forward. Um, but, yeah, clearly it hasn't, hasn't been one of our best investments over the, over the years. Um, but I think with a new CEO and a better balance sheet, it looks pretty good at the moment. Thanks.
We'll now take our next question. At the turn, please state your name before posing your question. The line is open. Please go ahead. Peter. Good afternoon, gentlemen. My name's Peter, and my question is twofold. It's regard to, with regard to Mosaic Brands. Um, Oscar here. Um, I assume the question is, do we still own Mosaic Brands? Um, we don't. Uh, we sold Mosaic Brands back in, back in February. Fair enough. That's what I suspected looking at the significant shareholder notices. Um, my second question, I don't know who can answer this really, it's with regard to Warren Buffett has recently uh, basically reduced his holdings in American banks significantly and uh, perhaps from an opposite point of view taken a quite a large shareholding in Barrick Gold. And I'm wondering whether this is reflecting a view on the nature of fiat currencies um, and basically, what's your take on that? That's oh, a tricky question, that one. Um, oh, look, I think in terms of what we invest in at WAM Capital is largely small and mid-cap industrial companies. Um, it's very rare for us to buy a bank or, or a gold miner. Um, if we, you know, we, we, we are, I mean, given where gold prices are, they're obviously at record highs. Um, you know, we prefer to play it through industrial companies that are leveraged to a higher gold price. So um, we've got uh, positions in the portfolio that we've had for some time, such as Codan, uh, which is effectively manufactures metal detectors. Um, we've got ALS Global, uh, which effectively is laboratories uh, testing various samples. Um, and we've got a range of sort of mining services companies uh, within the portfolio. But I'd say generally in terms of the banks, um, you know, very rarely in the portfolio, very, very rarely. Um, and, and gold, we, we view ourselves as industrial analysts. So, you know, gold, in terms of whether gold prices or gold miners, it's, it's generally a very small part of the portfolio. Uh, lastly, just Jeff, maybe I'll answer this. It's also with regarding to uh, Warren Buffett. He's previously said that uh, when the relative value of the American markets is higher than about 180%, it's not a good buy. 70 to 80% of the economic productivity of the country is, uh, it's a great buy, but anything close to 200, you're in a lot of pain, and that's where we are at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, we could, we could be heading for a lot of pain. Uh, the, um, you know, the way that the market has bounced back, uh, and sort of the 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 sort of the non-sophisticated money that's you know, been pumped into the market, you nearly get the feeling that people have got to realise that you know you buy a share at you know say it doubles or triples like that that's not that's not normal. <laughs> um, you know, over the mar over time, the market does ten percent per annum and. You know, there's a lot of volatility in the middle. Uh, you know, so you know, the market does have a way of you know, cleaning out excesses. And you know, it does feel as though the last few months, you know, um, you know, it has been very frothy you know, very, you know, in terms of particularly in the tech space. So you know, there could be, you know, we could be getting close to a bit of a cleansing. One of the interesting things is 
obviously you're a bit of a student of, of Warren, but one of the, um, I think in, the, in his very early days, he spent a lot of time buying shares in other, like effectively LICs, because yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a lot easier, you know, sort of buying a dollar for 80 cents, <laughs> which he talks about. It's, uh, yeah, so, you know, definitely, um, you know, definitely, you know, the market, you know, there, there is a lot of risk in the market at the moment, definitely. Thanks very much for your time, Jeff. I appreciate that. No, thank you. We'll now take our next question. At the tone, please state your name before posing a question. The line is open. Please go ahead. This is Don. I have a question about um, WLE. Share purchase plan is pitched at $1.17 odd, and yet it's trading at less. Well, is this going to work? Oh, look, hey, look, thanks, Don. Uh, and, like, who knows? When, when the board, you know, the board had to, you know, come up with a um, a price that they thought was fair, uh, and that was that was the NTA at the time, you know, the last public NTA. Um, even though since then, you know, we announced the NTA for the end of last month, which was higher. Um, and, yeah, the... the Will it be a successful share purchase plan or not? You know, really, who knows? Yeah, you know, it, it runs till you know, the latter part of September, um, and then you know, people will then I'd assume in the last week or so that's when most of the money tends to come in. You know, people will work out you know, whether they whether it's a, it makes sense or not. Um, you know, the, the the tough thing is we can't sort of um, you know, the, the market. We can't predict what the market's going to do, uh, you know. So that's that's the tricky part. The from 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 the board's perspective is they thought they were very fair in terms of doing it at the, at the last dated NTA, you know, which was that figure, you know, the dollar seventeen you know, point one. In terms of for shareholders, is it a great deal? Of course, at, at the moment you'd be better off buying shares on market um, than participating yeah. in the in the share purchase plan. Yeah. Jeff, um, yeah. is it possible the board will revise their price from a dollar seventeen downwards a bit? Look, look, if 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 there's a major move in the market on the downside, then yeah, then then that um, that could well be the case. Yeah, if yeah, and, and of course it really depends where we all, you know, where we finish up at the. Um, yeah, you know, the twenty second of September, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, you know, the the board can't increase it; <laughs> it can't go up. Is my understanding? It can only go mm-hmm. down. Um, yeah, to me, you, I, I would be, yeah, you know, keeping an eye on everything, and I, I'd, I'd be really, yeah, you know, putting a note in my diary in the last, yeah, you know, in the week before it closed, and just keep an eye over that period of time. Um, All right, thank you, Jim. But, but, no thanks. Thank you. It appears there are no further questions online. 
I'd like to turn the conference back to you for any additional or closing remarks. Thank you. Look, thanks. I'd I'd just like to you know, thank everyone, um, you know, for you know their support um, and and uh, yeah, as as we've always said, you know, that we have this opportunity, you know, on behalf of myself and everyone at Wilson Asset Management, you know, the the guys on the call today, um, we we love what we do. You know, we you know, it's very exciting for us. Um, and you know we love the opportunity you give us uh you know to do what we love doing you know we're very passionate about it uh and it's only by your support and allowing us to do this that we can so you know on behalf of everyone at Wilson Asset Management I'd like to you know thank you know all the shareholders um that are, the newer ones and the ones that have been with us for a long time please for the newer shareholders um you know we're very always interested in in your views or feedback, you know, I know a shareholder recently um, you know, emailed in and said, "You know, your monthly, um, you know, I love your monthlies, but you know, the the blue ink, uh, I can't read. Can you make a black ink?" So we've changed it to black ink, um, and yeah, like it's your company, and we're always looking for feedback. Um, you know, thank you for that, and and we're always trying to improve what we do. So uh, and and please be in contact with us. You know, we're, we're very open, and that's, to me, part of the benefit um, of you know, owning a listed investment company that you know, you're able to communicate you know, freely with the investment manager. So you know, on behalf of the team at Wilson Asset Management, thank you. Thank you for support. You know, and obviously, you know, in these you know, incredibly strange or bizarre times, you know, uh, stay safe and, 